0: Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's
1: time to awaken. Today we have with us one of America's most controversial poltergeist cases where paranormal disturbances haunted its occupants in a home in Seattle, Washington. Many have investigated this property including priest, ghost adventures, and parapsychologists from the UK. Today joining us is Keith Linder to share his dark story of the unexplained phenomena that he and his girlfriend experienced while living in Seattle's now-famed Bothell Hell House. We are super excited and have long awaited our conversation with Keith. And we are glad to be giving you this episode during Halloween because it is spooky as hell.
2: Keith is here, hello.
1: Hey. Hello,
2: good morning, how you doing?
1: Good, how are you? Oh, doing good, working from home. What do you do?
2: I'm an IT project manager. I work for a uh, tech company, I live in Seattle, but Because of COVID, I've been working from home for about a year and a half, the whole company has.
0: I used to uh, live there as well. Yeah, most beautiful place I've ever lived, minus uh, my vitamin D deficiency, couldn't handle it.
2: I'm from Texas, so it it took a while to get used to.
0: Well, we're excited to talk to you. We know you'll be worth the wait. Uh, We had some technical difficulties or spirits or maybe just a Sammamish storm that disconnected us last time. (laughs) We love doing Spooky for October and Shannon and I love Paranormal. So we're excited to talk to you, Keith.
2: Oh, it's good to be back. And uh, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm used to the technical difficulties while telling my stories. Some more extreme than others. I've seen people's computers reboot. I've seen objects fall in the background of the host or hostess house. Phantom doorbell rings cats or dogs, acting crazy in the middle of my story being told. So, uh, yeah, good
1: times. (laughs) You know, we had on John Frazier from the UK last year, and he mentioned your story. So we looked it up, and that was where our interest started, in the Bothell House.
2: Oh, yeah, I know John very well. We uh, exchanged notes and chat on Facebook and Twitter a lot. He's a Good friend and very knowledgeable of Portuguese and he finds this case very
1: interesting. He's got a creepy ass voice. I mean, I love him to death, but boy, he fixed up the mold when he talks about his his work.
0: Yeah, so Keith, we were wondering if you could uh, just, you know, for today, just do like a super creepy voice for us.
2: <laughs> I'll work on my Vincent Price voice. Yeah, I'll,
0: I'll try. You should have him do an audible. You like, do an audi-
2: yeah,
1: the, audi-
0: yeah, the audi- voiceover on your book. That would be
1: terrifying. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, and, and he really widened the, the spectrum of what a poltergeist is for me. Because, I mean, I always just thought, you know, poltergeist, the movie. <laughs> Taking notes from this. I, too, have a lot of activity. And, you know, I was comparing myself and all of the things that I've experienced in the years to your story. And I think I've experienced, well, not any writing on the walls, but many of the things that you did. But mine's more drawn out. Yours was just like, boom, you know, in a short amount of time.
2: Yeah, it was like a a hurricane parked on top of our house literally came out of nowhere, right? I mean, just one day, oh, stuff is flying. Oh, okay, lights are going off and on. I had no experience with the paranormal. I had no interest per se. So me and my ex-girlfriend, we were, we were newbies, right? We we're, were being introduced to something. And you're right, the worst thing to come to our mind is the movie Poltergeist, you know, the, the 80s movie. And what we saw and lived through, there was no reference to look at to say what not to do, what to do, who to call, who not to call. You're really making it up as you go, and how you deal with the phenomena and with no resource behind you? It's just going to make the activity worse because we did things that I know escalated the activity. Uh, we looked the darkness dead in the eye. It does look back, FYI. From the Portuguese standpoint, we were just easy pickings. We were just vulnerable because we knew nothing. You know, not us.
1: How did you grow up, Keith? I mean, what's your what's your spiritual background? You grew up in Texas. Did you have
2: yeah, a Christian background? I, Christian background, not devout, but Christian nonetheless. Went to church with my mom on Sundays, periodically, not all the time. We had Christian ideals. How about that? And then as I grew older and older, my knowledge grew, my understanding of the world grew. You know, no practice in darkness, no Ouija board. No sneaking into a haunted house or an abandoned hospital. I knew of it, and then we just knew from early on. There's things you don't play with, right? You know, you don't yeah. understand it. Don't play with it. You know, so that and that was that. I didn't go looking for stuff. I didn't. I had opportunity, but I always like, nah, that's not my cup of tea. Nah, too dark. Not I, I going there.
0: What about tina did what was her upbringing did she uh play with anything did she invite the darkness in at all do you know uh no we asked each other that question
2: you know once the activity started happening keep in mind she and i worked together two years before the activity started she had her place i had my own and we asked each other especially our friends and family how how well do you know that keith guy or hey how well you know that tina girl and (laughs) She was honest with me and I was honest with her because we were living in the same house. We tried to troubleshoot, get to the bottom of it. But she's sort of like me, didn't grow up religious, grew up with Christian ideals. And that was that, you know, no, no playing with the doctor. Okay. I uh, will watch a scary movie, try to get her to watch a scary movie. She watched the first five minutes of it, then she's done. She's like, I'm out of here. So yeah, she was very jittery and me where I, I would be subject to a scary moment, I like, I like a good scare, she would she, yeah, she be out of it. Where is Bothell? Bothell is a suburb
1: of Seattle. You know, I'm from New Orleans. So when it comes to the history of the land, I'm very interested. Even here in Colorado, you know, lots of Indians and um, you being from Texas, I mean, lots of history, old history, You know, um, you know, in the South. How, I don't know much about the history in the land of um, Seattle or even Washington.
2: People don't realize that the Pacific Northwest, talking about history-wise, is older than the East Coast, okay? Because if we go by history, Native Americans migrated from Asia, coming through Alaska, Northern Canada, landed on the West Coast of now America, and then moved eastward. That's just the the whole history and the geography of it. So it's often forgot about because we tell, in America, we we tell it from the east going to west, right? Colonial and all that. And then, then the encounters with Native Americans goes in that order, east to west. But in reality, Native Americans, the history is older, west going east. So Bothell, in the state of Washington, Oregon, California, there's some deep Native American roots there that doesn't often get talked about. And even when I moved here from Texas, you, know, you live in Texas, you live in Austin, Houston, Dallas, Antonio, Fort Worth, El Paso. Those are not Native American names, okay? Those are just Texas names. And they were the names come from usually the person who discovered the city, like Stephen F. Austin. Whereas Seattle is named after Chief Seattle, okay? She was okay. saying Stahomish. Stahomish is a Native American name. The county that I live in is Stahomish County, Skycomish River. When I moved here, everything has our yeah. still name after Native American. It didn't yes. dawn on me until after I started doing a little digging. But it was weird. I was like, oh. And you see the symbols. I mean, if you look at the, the, the Seattle Seahawk, even a Seahawk is drawn on the helmet of the tribe. There's deep roots here. You don't have to drive far to fight it. It's, it's really in your face, per se. Bothell, Snohomish County, close to Lake Washington, there's two rivers that feed it. It's called the Skokomish River and Snohomish River. And these, the Native Americans, live all throughout that area and still do. We forgot about all that. You sort of don't think about that moving into a neighborhood because I, I'm, I lived in Texas all my life. So Native American, I guess, history is not... It's not in your face, everything. Whereas in Pacific Northwest, you see it everywhere you go. Part of the culture, and when we started having activity, and what sort of gave the indication that some of this phenomena might be Native American related, not all, but some, was the symbols on the wall, you know. And then the history of Bothell, a lot of the cities, Seattle included. There were wars and. Fractions between settlers and Native Americans, just like anywhere else. What I noticed different about Pacific Northwest versus, say, Boston or Florida or Oklahoma or anything like that was, when these settlers came to this area and moved in, the Native Americans, instead of protesting the mass extinction of the American buffalo, you know, we all know that story, right? The Native Americans here were protesting the mass or near extinction of the trees and the salmon population. They felt both were being over resourced, mean, the mass chopping down of trees and the overabundance of pulling the salmon out the river. And I'm pretty sure you're aware of this. The, the Native Americans now, as a, as a means of reparations, control the salmon population and growth in the Pacific Northwest. So, uh, but there was major wars and factions uh, as that, that led up to that.
1: You know, it is so true. I've just gone on this journey of, you know, the history that's not been told. And I find it it's so important though, especially when you're living on the land, because a lot of times if you can make kind of peace and connect with that land, uh, you, but you can't do that unless you have some knowledge about, you know, where you're living.
2: Yeah. And I didn't know this during until I researched it, because like I said, it's hard to know it unless you read about it. And my paradigm in my head was, okay, you and I and everybody else, when we die, right, we die. Chris it's Christian to believe we're gonna be buried underground, you know, all the six feet under, six feet under. It's a biblical reference Why six feet? Why not four? Why not five? It's six feet under. Native Americans, including the Pacific Northwest, the tribes that live in and around Bothell, they don't bury their dead underground.
1: Wow. They
2: bury their dead in trees. No way. Yeah. Which just threw me totally off the loop. like. Yeah, no how, shit. How, how does that? Yeah. Do no. So I was asking myself the question of when the Holy was attacking the house and other stories of Portuguese linked to you know Native American land. I was like, well, come on, Mister, Missus Portuguese. How are we supposed to know if we build a house on the land? How are we supposed to know there's bodies or something? I mean, how, I mean, help us, help you, right? How do we know that? You know, I, I can't look into our land and say, yeah, hey, you know, because we've been on hundreds, thousands of years, right? So how do we we know that? Well, then I started reading the tribes, and it says, well, Native Americans mark their burial grounds, make them easily. Markable because they don't want anybody to trespass. You drive down a road, right? And You get to a dead end and say, do not cross or they stop right here, you know? Well, you're supposed to turn back around and not go any further. Well, if you go across that fence, right? Then all bets are off, right? You ignore the sign. The same thing with Native American burial ground, They buried their dead above ground in trees. And that was meant to let you know Hey, this is a sacred area. Go find somewhere else to have your picnic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if you ignore that, you know, oh, let's take these dead bodies, put them in a museum, put them in crates, and get them out of here. This is then they're gonna like, okay, you ignored it. Now we're gonna haunt. So I was like, oh, okay. And yeah. then when I went and looked at the microfilm and bothel and all that, the settlers, meaning the, the people who migrated, they would talk about it. They would talk about oh, yeah, we, we, we want this land, want this area of in and the Native American tribes say, no, don't build, don't build, this is our, our, our people that are buried here. They don't be buried like underground, they're resting in trees, and the, and the the settlers would describe what they saw. They were like, yeah, they would, they would just remove the bones. You know, the bones are decayed and, and rotted or whatever, but that's, in a Native American standpoint, that's still no excuse to move them. It's still, I like, do not disturb. So we were like, oh, Okay, Hollywood has made it seem like they're underground or, or, or something. Like you saw it in the, in the Portuguese movie, was the famous swimming pool scene when all the bodies start coming. Yeah.
0: You line. know, it's interesting. Maybe that's why they were protesting the trees.
2: Yes, that, that, that's why.
1: Yeah.
0: So tell us what attracted
1: you to this house? Why did you choose it? What was, what was going on? What, was it a great neighborhood?
2: Uh, it was a newly built home built in 2005. We didn't know this one would move in, but it was a newly built neighborhood. All the homes sort of looked the same. We fell in love with the house as soon as we saw it on Craigslist. We saw the picture, we are like, oh, house available. Called the landlord, whoever. It was still being lived in. He said that the tenants haven't moved out yet. So we waited like six weeks, and then we got the tour. We knew it was just a formality. We was into the house regardless. And after we... Tour at the home, we, we made an offer right, that, that we want the house. So it just suited our need. It was five bedroom. There was only two of us. So it's it gonna be very spacious. And we can have friends over. I worked downtown Seattle, so the commute to downtown, a little bit challenging, but not impossible. Yeah, it just seemed like the house to get, yeah.
1: You know how when you move into a new house, you have to get used to those like, you know, different sounds. I know every single house I've moved into, You know, the furnace sounds different or street outside, um, you know, the plumbing. I mean, you have to kind of like get used to it. How was your first few nights there?
2: Well, yeah, the house noise, and that was one of the things we were battling was, how do you distinguish between quote unquote ghost noise and house noise because we're in a new home, right? So there's obviously gonna be noises that the house makes you know, there was well, a new house case is settling, you're, you know, it's, it's settling. So we would hear noises and be like, what's that noise? And then I would rule out us oh, house noise or us plumbing or it's the heating system or a car driving by. But one thing I will add to that is the noise the poltergeist makes is easily distinguishable. It's not something that. I started to learn is not house doors very quickly. The Portuguese, probably to the credit of they don't want their activity being confused with house doors. So an example would be me and Tina are eating dinner downstairs, a two-story home, and we hear footsteps upstairs, pit a pack, pit a pack. You would swear somebody's up. There. And normally, because I grew up, you know, had brothers and sisters. We're always in different places at the house at different times of the day. So you're used to moving above your head. Oh, my sister's in her room, or my brother's in the bathroom, or whatever. Or somebody's coming downstairs. There's only us two living in the home. So there should be nothing coming from upstairs. And we hear, like, footsteps going from room to room. I kid you not. It feels like somebody's going room to room. Like, And I look at Tina, she look at me, and we're like, but you have nothing to base that on so you're just like well that's just weird that's just okay we're not taking ghosts okay this just that's an interesting house noise you know because it sounds very much like a person is going room to room but we disavowed it the day we could not disavow it anymore was the day the plant levitated. you know i'm pretty sure that the poetry guys probably were saying to themselves they're going to disavow everything until we finally do something they can't disavow.
1: What movie were you watching when that plant moved? I was curious. Do you remember?
2: Uh, I don't remember. I think, I think it, okay. was, uh, it was. It was Netflix. Um, it was very lighthearted. It was very early on in, in moving into the home. I think we were okay. maybe six weeks in that, and the plant being next to the TV, we both saw it at the same time. I was so glad Tuna was there. You're always always
1: glad when someone else sees it. You're like, just had a plant move like two weeks ago. Me and my daughter both watched it.
0: Uh Uh,
1: It it happened twice. And I was like, holy shit. We're just so not phased anymore, though.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that will come later when we, I guess the light stuff, we became not phased by, you know, the TV changing by itself.
1: Yeah, the footsteps upstairs. The footsteps, uh,
2: occasional door slam.
1: Hey, cut that out. Stop doing that. Yeah. Right.
2: But the the major stuff, we, yeah, it just blew us away. So it shifted and went dark.
1: Is that
2: right? A majority of Portuguese cases where you go from light to dark, different stages, different time periods. And then you're like, okay, first we thought it was a friendly kid ghost. I kid you not, because we had kid call, we're finding kid toys. You know, we had our toys and we're like, oh, it's a friendly ghost. So we, we, we treated it like a third roommate. Like, hey, okay, it'd be kind of cool to have a little giant running around as long as you don't, you know, get, go crazy. But
1: Casper, yeah, little Casper, you know, a little Casper, you know, a little mask, yeah. a little
2: house mask. Yeah. The data we're being fed from the internet is if it's a kid ghost or ghost, it'll eventually get bored, leave or whatever. If Definitely a kid ghost is probably lost, confused. Take on a parental role, you know, instructed to go to the light to cut that out, you know, like a little kid, hey, cut that out. They'll eventually get the message. Hours, when we did that, start acting up more, you know, it's like the kid in the grocery store, you tell him you can't have nothing, he starts stomping with his feet. This one started acting up worse. And then we're like, whoa, that's not nice. That's not Casper. Casper doesn't do that on a cartoon. And then finally, <laughs> it just boom, you know start throwing stuff, you're like, okay, I think something else is here. Yeah. <laughs> something, that was pretty big. That was a big couch that went like, yeah, that's not nice.
0: Right? You're like, that's not Casper the nice ghost. Um, You know what like just chilled me? Like I got goosebumps. The hair was like standing on my body was when I was reading the description of the stuff that was coming out of your walls—that to me was not only just bone chilling, which is interesting because what is it called? It's called bone, bone um, black,
2: bone char. Yeah,
0: yeah. Can you talk about that?
2: Yeah. So the black oil or the black tar-like substance began to appear late summer 2014. Things escalate in all activity, including wall writing. So. The first few wall writings involved sage ash, because we had a sage stick and we would leave and we come back and, and we'd use the stick to write upside down crosses. But we cleaned that relatively easy and quickly. A little bit of an inconvenience, but not major. And then the substance of wall began to be different stuff that became harder to remove, you know, and one of the things which is hard to remove, I learned, is bone black. Well. We didn't know that going in, it was just all this black oil. It, it looks like paint, maybe not, kind of, sort of, that's weird, square to the touch. One day, this was a few months after Ghost Adventures had left, I was really upset that they didn't take any samples with them, I thought they would, because I had done research, and the research I found out is some expensive test, talking several thousands of dollars, so I didn't want to really come out of my pocket, and I thought those of us would take it, and you know, they got bigger pockets than me, but they didn't take it. So one day after this episode aired, you know, I work for a, a tech company, IT company, but we have a lab in, uh, in one of our offices. A co worker saw the episode, and he saw the wall writings. And he said, You know, we got equipment here that can test that stuff. And let me tell you, my eyes just lit up like, oh, what, are you, what are you saying? What do you, you mean? But yeah, we, we got a lab upstairs. If you bring it in. So I, I chiseled a piece that was on the door brought it up to, to our lab, and he put it under um, a machine, very expensive machine. And it started coming up with uh, organic material. It, it started listing the makeup of the material. And he said, well, this is not paint, it's not lead, because that's what the machine detects, is, is to detect lead and paint material. And it, it, it didn't get it down to a science, this this device. So it gave a breakdown of everything they picked it up, and it we came back, with organic material, but we still didn't know what it was. We are like, oh, okay, well, we know what it's not, but we don't know what it is. So I took the, the printout and I started calling it art galleries. Like, Let me call and just give them my ingredients list and see what they tell me. And several art galleries start telling me, oh, that's bone char. that's bone black. Well, what is it? So I Googled it and they took it's incinerated buffalo or bison bone. And then I was like, what about that Native American? I'm like, well, Okay, who would incinerate buffalo bone and why? And then I learned through research, oh, well, Native Americans use bone black. It's a, one of the oldest forms of black paint. and It is. It was used for pictography and calligraphy for its durability sake. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I said, yeah, when you had, in the 1800s, the mass extinction of buffalo, one of the carcasses that was always discarded was this, uh, the skull. They didn't use the skull. But they condensed it in a heat furnace and reduced it down to a black, tar, charcoal-like substance. Bone black, even today, is the, one of the most primary sources for filterization. I didn't know that. but So, so that was interesting. Bone char, bone black. And then I was like, oh, that's all over my walls. Even more dark was we also had yellow, like olive oil substance that was coming out of the walls in every room of the house. You can't really see it in the pictures because it's, it's transparent. Yeah, it's I saw that. Everywhere. Okay. And bone black by itself. In its final form, it's very chalky substance, very granular, okay? And when I started talking to paint experts, I was like, well, how are they making the bone black adhere to the surface? Every paint substance needs an adhesive ingredient. Well, in the old days, guess what? We didn't know this. And by that I mean 19th, early 20th century, the number one paint adhesive was olive oil was the number one paint adhesive because it's very thin and it would adhere the paint to the wall many painters use that in their i'm talking about the rembrandts the Picasso's, and whatnot and that's why you see today these pictures of 200 300 years old you see that yellow hue about them even the mona lisa like well okay it's that yellow that's the olive oil that's the that's the adhesive coming through the paint so the bone if you incinerate it down to the bone black portion it produces its own adhesive which is called mm-hmm. dipple's oil dipple's oil is named after conrad dipples his last name he's the one who discovered dipple's oil from incinerating animal bone and it became its own adhesive so you have a solution that not only produces a black paint, but also produces the adhesive ingredient to make it stick. We had the yellow substance all over our house. Steve Mara's and the Don Phillips in the world took some of those samples uh, back to the UK, and we determined that was dipples oil. Uh, and, it, and the color dipples oil is just like uh, canola oil, just like olive oil, has the same hue, the same color. It only comes from incinerated animal bone. It's the melted fat. It's the melted marrow, the bone. But it's all over the walls. And then what answer creates 10 more questions because now we're, I'm asking, where is the Portuguese getting this stuff from? You know, I call paint stores all over the country, all over the world. You cannot buy large quantities of neither one, dippos oil or bone. You know, Home Depot, you call, home people don't know what to talk about. You ever take your art gallery, they don't know Did you
0: about. try Lowe's? Lowe's always seems to know more than Home Depot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they pride themselves on that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: So uh, you
1: needed help, but, but I mean, ultimately there's all these, you know, unanswered questions and all these dead ends. So were you just like, we need some professional help. Like I'm digging, but I don't know what I'm digging for
2: this is way above my head, way above my pay grade, but everywhere I go, this is new info. This is new territory. I mean, there are documents of other Portuguese hauntings of similar wall substance. You know, the San Pedro haunting that came out of the 80s, late 90s out of California. Dr. Barry Taft investigated. They found blood plasma coming out of the walls. And they tested it. It was type O blood. But the family had type A. And they found large quantities of it. They, these things just manifest, but I, I kid you not, it's manifesting through the wall. It's not being applied to the wall like you and I. We go paint our room. You're painting over something that, that's pre-existing. You may go from green to purple or purple to green, but you are applying paint. Even when you buy a brand new house, the walls are already painted, right? So you either like the paint color, that's there when you moved in. Or yeah, I'm, I'm gonna change that as soon as I move in. So you're applying the paint. This bone black. It's coming through the firmament. It's coming through the wall. You can't tell if a pen is being applied or coming through the structure unless you put the material under a microscope. And I did. I chiseled out a piece of the wall or the door and put it under a digital microscope. And my book, you can see the black, the bone black microscopically now, invisible to the naked eye is in the, in the material of the house. Okay, it starts off like these little dots, these little tiny dots that's invisible to the naked eye. Okay, you're talking about 1,000 to 1,500,000 times magnification is what I had to do to get into the quantum level of the material. And you see it, and then you see these dots grow typically. They got these arms coming out, these little tentacles, and they connect to other dots and the dots connect to other dots, other dots. But finally, you got the 666. You got the Upside Down Man Simple. It's all over the wall. So me, where my mind goes after reading that, after seeing that under a, a microscope, the process started a long time ago, or the process started before it became visible. It went from micro to macro, and now you and I can see it. But I always wondered when living in the house, did the Portuguese do that instantly was it like an instant growth or gradually it coincided with either the activity the other activity or it coincided with the mood swings of me and tina it right coincided with the weather the time of day the type of month a ley line a celestial you know yeah. whatever There's all kind of ways you can go with that
1: so you called in a priest first is that right is that was that the first help that you got it was from an actual priest
2: yeah, I call it a several positions.
1: You're like every nomination, come over here.
2: <laughs> come in, bless the house, save the smudge the house. Different denominations came in with their the method for cleansing the house. Most blessed every room from top to bottom. Of course, the Catholic Church responded a little bit quicker and had a, a, a methodology of you know that they follow of blessing. Okay, now we're going to bless every room. Now we're going to bless every room inside, outside. Now we're going to hold communion. We're going to hold mass to try to dial back the activity.
1: It seemed demonic because, I mean, 666 and you had three burning Bibles.
2: Yeah, it seemed demonic, but but here's the the kicker. The things that made it demonic are not really what are, are the things that this case is not really known for. And I guess it's been made oh. public, but not been talked about a lot. I, I wish okay. it could. But some of the things that made the case seem demonic were the appearance of shadowy figures. Yeah,
0: okay.
2: Uh, I've seen them. These things are creepy, crawly, ugly, vicious looking. You ever seen that movie, Gremlins and Critters? You ever seen that movie? I'm talking about the old classic.
0: Yes. Gremlins.
2: Yes, it's my dog looks like a gremlin. A a you look, your dog breed. looks like a gizmo. Oh, yeah. OK. They don't look like gizmo, they look like Sprite. It's a <laughs> cross between the critters and the, the nasty gremlins. And they have that personality, OK? That's the personality that we saw, I saw in the house. And the size is right. I mean, I know that the gremlins and, critters, but, and the critters are aliens, but the size is, the, is what the shadowy figures were in, in the house. Another thing that points to demonic was the mass appearance of flies. I'm talking about flies in the dead of winter. And I'm not talking about a fly in your kitchen or, you know, hovering above you and over your food or whatever. No, I'm talking about you go into a room somewhere in the house, open the door, It doesn't get much traffic, there's no window or, or nothing, and it's snowing outside. the it, it, snowing ground. is dead, it's mid-December. And these flies, and these are big flies. I've lived in Texas all my life. I know what a horse fly looks like. They're gigantic. The flies we saw in the Bothell House are the size of nickels. And they don't fear humans, meaning that you can swap at them, they will not move. Okay? You just, you can kill them, and come back a day later, there'll be another one there.
1: I've had that, Keith. I remember thinking,
2: isn't this weird? It's snowing. You know, that's strange. So that's interesting. And then the foul smell, the stench smell that sounds like backed up plumbing times 20. It it lasts maybe three seconds and it's gone. It's like a whip. It's like, you know, you turn this way, you smell it, you turn this way, it's gone. It's out of nowhere. By the time you pay a mental attention to it, it's gone. I can only think of three instances where we... Had that occur of, of, of the smell and it was during the dark campaign of the attacks in the house it was it was in the same week of the flies
0: you want to know what else freaked me out keith the house it had a phantom heartbeat that could be heard and felt from deep within your mattress oh yeah and you talk about like the house like it was its own entity i mean that is fucking creepy
2: the house felt like it was a i mean i i it tried to and it's hard to described I'm glad you brought that up because when I caught up with the previous tenant Rhonda who lived in the house 2008-2009 one of the things she told me which I agree with her 200 percent was it felt like the house was alive we have come home me and Tina and I, and I kid you not you walk into your house from a long day at work right you, you might beat your significant other home so you're there by yourself and you're just rummaging through the kitchen, you know, and it feels like the house is watching you. And it's like the house is asking itself or asking you, why are you here? Why are you here early? And I remember one paranormal team when they came to the home early on, and they heard the the humming and the heartbeats. We had been living in the home for a while. Our brain was not picking it up because we were inside the home. We had to step outside and step back in.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: hear it. And you hear it. You know, Nikki Novell Paranormal Team came and lived in the home for a month. And I've been telling people all the time about the phantom heartbeats in the mattress. That's I tell people, that's probably one of the weirdest thing of all, everything weird in the house. That one by far is the top two, top three. And the reason being is you could be laying in your bed channel surfing, right? And all of a sudden underneath your, your leg or your thigh or your chin, you feel the pulsating, right? You move your leg, you put your hand above it, and you feel the pulsating. You move your hand and put your ear, talking about your ear, and you feel the pulsating. And that started happening over and over, especially while sleeping, through your pillow, through the headboard. And I was glad Nikki, Nikki, she felt it. She was lucky to be in the home one day when it occurred. And she put her hand down and she felt it. What coincides with that, because there's something that coincides with that is the mattress indentation. You know, I don't know if I have a pet. We didn't have pets, but I grew up with pets as a kid. I know what an animal feels like when we get in bed with you. I know, you know, when you're super, you have a cat, you know, cats own the house, right? They own your house. We you just let the, the cat comes to your bed or whatever and wants to be petted or whatever. You can feel the mattress indentation. Whenever my dog or cat made it onto my bed, I could feel. That's what this feels like, except there's nothing on the bed. And this this, this mattress indentation is coming towards you. So there's been times, uh, Mandy and, and Shanna, where I had my back turned toward the wall of my bedroom. Tina could be in the bathroom getting ready or something, or not even there. And on Tina's side of the bed, which is vacant, right? My back is turned, I'm on my side of the bed. And something, it feels like, like an invisible bowling ball fell from the ceiling onto the bed, like, boom. My eyes were dart open, I like I hear Tina in this room, something's behind me. I turn around, nothing of course. I try to go back to sleep, it starts all over. Me. One morning I was just so tired because we had so much activity the night before that I felt the indentation coming toward me and I didn't even move. I, I said, I, I'm not even moving. I'm not even going to look back. If you kill me, kill me, whatever. I felt this whoosh go in me. It didn't, it didn't come out the other side. It went through through my back. Flooded like I, an electrical wire. I was like, you know,
1: uh,
2: for like 30 seconds. Weird to
1: Wow, I feel like I feel like you and I could compare stories forever. You, me. Thousands of other,
2: you got to study them as a whole. Criminal researchers and investigators should focus on, focus on the similarities, because we're going back hundreds of years of these. You know, Portuguese cases, 300, 500 years old, and the things that stand out to me is the things that I can relate yeah, to.
1: Yeah, that happened to me too. But it yeah. makes you feel a little less fucking crazy, right, Keith, to know that other people have experienced this.
2: Yeah, because I like to think of me being a IT professional as an analytical thinker. I want an answer to a question. I'm not crazy. I know. I know I'm not seeing things. I, you know, it's a heartbeat in my
0: bed. that's just. I think it's safe to say yours was definitely whatever was in the energy in your home was <laughs> very extreme compared to anything I've ever seen or felt at Shanna's. I mean your office was torn up. We're talking about valuable electronics. We're talking about just lots of your property being ruined. I mean, 60 pages of evidence, documentaries, books. I mean, it's unbelievable how much evidence you have.
2: Yeah, baseball, softball-sized holes in the wall, things of that nature. What's interesting is I could see a candle fly across me And hit something and ricochet, right? And go toward the direction of both the sound and the destruction. There's a hole, a new hole in my wall. There's a damage, there's a little bit of debris on the floor. The candle that's caused all this is gone. And that happened so many times, I lose count. I mean, I would, because I did a tally, I think I put it in my second book of the damage. I think overall damage probably about twenty five thousand dollars worth of house damage.
0: Jesus.
2: Probably about fifteen thousand dollars of electronic stuff is missing. can It's hard to put a value on on the heirlooms and jewelry, in and I lost. But yeah, yeah. That's just the that's just the physical stuff,
1: you know. So prior to um Steve and Don Phillips doing a very thorough investigation. You did have Zach and his team from Ghost Adventures, which most people have seen that show before. But they only spent like you know what, three to five hours really investigating, five hours, five hours. and then comparing that to how much time did Steve spend on investigating?
2: See, yeah, good question. So Ghost Adventures, five hours of investigating. That's bull crap. I have no experience in paranormal knew that was not enough time because I knew the activity that we were experiencing came in bell curves, it came in in bell curves, right? And when Steve and Dawn, they came twice, Steve and Don. The first time they stayed, I believe it was seven days. And the seven days that they were there, I can tell you on my mother's life that they spent eight, hours a day investigating the seven days that they were there. They never slept. I mean, I, watching them, giving them total access to my home, when Steve, I remember when Steve pulled up to my house, I, I, I remember this like it happened yesterday, and he came in, did a little survey up the upstairs and downstairs. The first area that he really wanted to go to was their office. You know, you, you got to get in that office for the best <laughs> to the hot spot. And I remember he just looked close as he could to the wall writings, to the damage of the room, to the walls. And he just says, yeah, this is it. And they really 18 hours a day for seven days straight. That was January, February of 2016. It came back April of that same year, 2016. And stayed eight days. They did the same thing. we brought Nick Kyle with them and did it, like I said, another 18-hour straight days of just non-stop uh, investigating. And, and, and 90% of it was in the house, 5% was outside me in the front backyard. And under. And <laughs> like, under. Every yeah. I'm like, don't,
1: right. don't go under there.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, I I I hate spiders. I'm not going under any house. Yeah, no. And Then they went to the county records office. They went. They uh-huh. spent a the considerable time downtown city hall. The so history, huh? Of land and house, they did in one hour of day one,
0: uh-huh.
2: more than Ghost Adventures did in five hours. I want people to understand this is not personal against Ghost. I call it like I said. Yeah, signal. of course. If you ask me a question, I'm gonna give you an answer. Not an answer you like, but I'm gonna give you an answer. It's gonna be truthful. Ghost Visions were there five hours. How do you know it was five hours? How do you know? Well, they told me, before they came to visit me at Tina, they gave us an itinerary of what they're going to do. They're gonna have two teams arrive, A team and B team. The B team arrives first because they're the one doing the B roll, the footage, reenactments, the interviews. They arrived Monday and they stayed till Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And they probably did, I'm talking about the B team, they probably did 14 hours a day, the B team did. Joseph ventures, Zach and crew, arrive Thursday. Arrive Thursday, leave Thursday. That was it. Oh, so yeah. they came in, did a little, little little interview, and then they do the lockdown. And the lockdown it says on their deal, five hours. They're in and out. So I saw that. I was like, which one's the investigative part? And then I said, oh, I oh, like five hours.
0: Oh, okay. yeah it's almost like ghost adventures if, and correct me if I'm wrong was just looking for like a quick release of an episode or two and uh, like it was more of a show where versus these investigators that actually came in that are like getting down to the core of it yeah
2: they responded and let me just give people a little bit of backstory of, of how ghost adventures I even met so ghost adventures caught wind of our story we didn't we didn't reach out them. they found us. The local news had learned of the bottle house of the Bible's catching fire and sent a reporter to our home. And the reporter interviewed me, this is on the internet, you can see this interview, scared the reporter to death because she heard the loud bang and she was out of there. Oh, and, poor
1: lady. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <she laughs> no, I wow. saw her, I saw that interview. She was pretty like, what, yeah. what was that? You are like, it was, it was them. <laughs> yeah, her, her, that was I was it. Look at her <laughs>
2: cameraman's face during our interview because I can see his face as, he, as she's talking to me. He, 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 he was done. But she told me, she said, hey, especially after hearing the loud bang." So she said, I'm a friend of, I know Dave Schrader. I'm like, who's Dave Schrader? I said, so, I'm, I'm just going to send him an email. I'm going to call him. Dave Schrader called me the next day. And we talked maybe five or 10 minutes. And then Ghost Adventures was there in like two and a half, three weeks. You know, Steve Mara and Don Phillips, when they came in January and April of 2016, they had already been interviewing me September, October of the previous year, okay? It took them five months, six months to even agree to come to my house because they were putting me through countless interviews, evaluations, mental, psychological, see how my story was straight, see if I would change it from time to time. Steve would interview me some days, Don would, and sometimes they would just catch me different hours of the day. Uh, I didn't know what they were doing, but they knew what they were doing. They were just trying to see, am I on the level? And then they made the determination after their assessment, okay, we're going to come. Here's the days we're going to be there. And I can tell you this. It was never a question of them living in the house. The, the, the question is, why wouldn't we want to live in the house? Uh, yeah. Nikki yeah. Nobel and her team lived in the house for a month. It, it, it just came to the trip like, of Oh, we're going to live in the house. Well, I got five bedrooms. You can have which one do you want? You know,
1: like this is their profession. One that yeah. was the president of the Scottish Society of Parapsychology. I mean, this is their study.
2: This is their study. This is what mm-hmm. they do day in and day out. They have a methodology. One I, I seem to like because it got it got results. And one of the things Steve says in his interview, even in his own book, was, "When we got there, we got to Keith's House." We come there with a, with a methodology or a mindset of how we want to conduct our investigation. However, but we have to allow ourselves some wiggle room because we have to adapt to the poltergeist. So what made Steve and Don realize that they're dealing with an elusive Portuguese, meaning one that's coy, that's a trickster out of a trickster, was the day their cameras, not mine, got turned around. Well, the day they saw their cameras facing this way, and then come back, it's facing that way. They knew they were dealing with an elusive spirit. And they said, we have to change our methodology because now we know what we're dealing with. And they did. They, they pivoted very easily and then allowed them to get different results that others never, never got. Because people always ask, well, why didn't those get anything? Well, I said, well, there's all kinds of reasons why they didn't get anything. Number yeah. one, they were not there mm-hmm. long enough.
1: Right, right. Exactly. Absolutely. And like Mandy was saying, all of it's documented. It's not something you have to go dig for. It's out there. You can go and look at it, that's listen to exactly. it. I've watched several documentaries with you. I've watched the ghost adventure ones because I wanted to, you know, see every angle. I watched um, the one that's called um, Estate or something like that. It was on Travel Channel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I watched that one. And then I watched the demons in Seattle uncovered and then yeah. I was like ah there you
2: go that was good yeah that's just shows the comprehensive steps of what they did and it coincides with the 60 plus page report if you read that of well, what I'm they not. found the EVPs going underneath the house remember dog goes into the woods you know yeah out there and we I'm got- like
1: don't do that oh,
0: my god
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and me being there watching, I, I'm sort of nervous because I'm going, you under my house. I'm man, what do we do? This? I'm not like, I don't think the ghost is going like, to kill him right or anything. I'm just like, yeah, right. you're, you're still under a house, right? You're still under
0: a house. Yeah, he did a it, lot. It, he he it, did the Keith, Keith, yeah. I, I, respect, I respect so much um, the, the amount of time and research you have put into this as well. I mean, this wasn't something you chose. You know, you can tell that this really affected your life. You went as far as even reaching out to the people that um, lived in the home before. Have you reached out to the people that live there now?
2: So, full disclosure, the people who live there now is the husband and the wife. No kids. They know the house is haunted. It's impossible not to. I don't think they know the degree of which it's haunted. They do know it it, it, it was haunted. They do know the house was featured on girls' Adventures. But they took the house anyway i've never met them the less they know the better i said if i go poking around the house saying are you having activity and we stuck up a conversation and i and i reveal some of the things we have because i know me if i lived in a house and you knock on my door and i sort of know it's haunted but i don't care if it's living my life and you come knock on my door and the minute you leave right I come back into my house and my wife you know what's gonna be on my mind. The first, look yeah. You're hear? like, uh-uh.
1: Now you noticing it. You probably are just like, you know what? I might hear from them. I might hear from them, depending on how long they stay.
2: I'm sort of like previous tenant, right? Rather than come looking for me. Yeah. You know, if, if they find me, fine. I'm, I mean, I'm not hard to find, obviously. Um, yeah. So if that comes looking for me, then I make myself available. I'm like, oh yeah, you know. But poking around the house, nobody's yeah. I know. Well, just, if you go looking for the darkness in that house,
1: oh yeah, you yeah, go look it, will oblige.
2: It, it, it will apply. It will People like, hey, we're over here. You know, you want yeah. to me, okay, You can't turn that faucet off. You cannot turn it off.
1: So, what about in your current home? Did you bring anything with you?
2: I've moved twice now. This is you know, 2021. I moved out in 2016. First place I moved to was a two-bedroom condo. Uh, I had the phantom water puddles the poles dripping from a dry ceiling. Um, objects still will teleport, asport, airport, whatever. Items still disappear. I still see the shadowy figures. Uh, the heartbeats in the mattress, the mattress indentation, mm-hmm. that increased after moving. And still happens to this day, as recent as this morning or last night. Occasionally, out and about with friends, especially if I'm on a date,
0: Keith, I think this spirit wants you, um, is in love with you and doesn't want you to have a relationship. <laughs> it's your girlfriend. It's trying to, it's trying to scare off all your girls because this spirit wants you to itself.
2: <laughs> I try not to dwell on that, but I, I have the data to support that theory on the sense of maybe five of the women I previously dated, they they experienced activity, if not with me or in their home environment soon after meeting me, a lot of women nowadays, um, you know, and guys too, Google their potential online to see, you know, if he's catfishing or some syrup yeah. or whatever. And finally comes up as the Bothell Hell House guy. So they-, they, <laughs> they right. I will answer the question if it's asked to me, they're like, yeah, hey, Google the man. What's, what's this haunted house stuff about? Something in it's cool, Something gets um out of here, and, and I don't blame them. But the yeah. ones I think it's cool, I find I have activities soon after.
0: What about the landlord? Have you ever, like, picked his brain? Did he invite this darkness in? What's the story on his purchase? Is he still married? Did he ever live in it?
2: Interesting question. So the homeowner was one of the first persons I went to when we started having the, the phenomena, right? I was just, hey, what's going on? And you're right. It's a newly built home. Him and his wife, I don't know if they have kids, but I know he's married. When I went to him to talk about the activity as well as to get ghost adventures permission to enter the home. I was expecting him to throw me and Tina out the house because by then, after the news reporter aired the story, the whole West Coast picked up that story, that, that story went viral. And it talked about the Bible burnings, it talked about the fires, and I thought he was gonna come over there and say, get out of my house, y'all, y'all vandalizing in my house, girl. you guys are crazy. He did not, he did the opposite. So I said, hey, we have some activity, da 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 Did you ever have anything? Oh, no, no, never had anything. I said, any previous tenant ever had anything? He said, no, no, not, not that I know of. But the one answer that got me was I told him what we were having and I told him what we were going to do to rip the home of the activity. And he said, You have my blessing. I'll paraphrase it, but he simply said, You have my blessing. And he said, Something that I really didn't volunteer information for. So, how is he? he, he could have known this, he said, it's probably some lost and confused spirits in that house that need to be excised out. Whoa. And he said, But if you want to go ahead and, and get them out of there, go for it. He said, There are probably some lost and confused spirits in that house. And I was like, Oh, that's an interesting answer. Okay. Yeah. And he never came to the house, we moved in the house in May, 2012. I moved out of the house, May, 2016. The only two times the homeowner came to that house, he didn't even come to the house with ghost of his came. He didn't even come to the house when Steve Meredith came, lived in there for two weeks or when Nikki lived in there for a month and her team. He only came to the house was May to give me and Tina the keys and to sign the papers in May, 2016, to take away the key and Walk us out the house or walk me out the house that's the only two times i haven't seen him in four years we maybe talked several times i've invited him he never came to see for himself and it was just weird that he said there's probably some spirits in there that need to be exercised now, do i know without a doubt i don't know if he did anything to bring them there i don't know all i know is he never visited the home. Even when things would break down. Just that's watch so strange. Don't
1: you think that's weird? I mean, just think about if it was your home.
2: If it was my home, I would like to think I would want to just come in and see for myself. Yeah, it's up. Let's up. So see if you're on the up. I mean, we're talking a fire department yeah, came odd. to the house, put out two fires, okay? Fire. Yeah, we're right. Fire.
1: Fire. And, and it's on yeah. national news
2: national news and then when the team ghost Adventures came and the episode aired and they didn't find that then i thought he really was gonna put us out but he d- doubled down and was like when i told him about steve and no, all like he's gonna say no to that but he you no know, he was very gung yes. ho
0: yeah that's strange
2: but had i been an owner i know i would have came to that I been like, hey like, you
0: know, yeah.
2: but he never met the a repair guy there he, what he would do is like hey you you know if something's on the fritz you repair it fix it And just take it out of your mouth's red. He never came to the
1: house. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I just feel like a lot of what we do is we share these stories so that we, people don't feel alone in what they're going through, you know? And so many times when people are having experiences, they don't want to share because they're scared that people are going to think they're nuts. And I think the more that we share our experiences, the more it becomes accepted because this is real. You know, I mean, you can come over to my house. I guarantee maybe not in five hours, but if you come over consistently, you're yeah. going to, you're definitely going to feel some stuff. I mean, I have stories. We all have stories like almost daily, but, yeah. and I'm scared now because right now I'm like, Casper, the friendly ghost. And so I'm like, oh shit. I hope it don't shift on me. Yeah. that's what we yeah. hope to You know, and cool. I considered that I've had some people tell me, even though it's not bothering you, you know, I'm like, it doesn't bother me. They're like, it's taking up your space and they shouldn't be there. You didn't invite them to be there.
2: Right, and for me me and Tina, even even now, we're never alone. Just because there's no activity doesn't mean nothing. something's not happening. There's things I hear and see. I just don't focus or dwell on it. I think it's a certain level, attention level.
1: We did an investigation last year at my house it was shocking. I mean, we got about 45 minutes worth of the spare box um, conversations. You could tell, I mean, it was intelligent. We straight up were having conversations, you know, we were getting answers. Uh We did a whole episode on it, but I mean, it just, for me to talk to even you right now is comforting Uh to know that there's so much validation in like the stuff I've experienced. Well, you're not alone. We're not
2: alone. I get emails from all over the world of, similar stories some less some even more i mean there are people that put my story to shame and i'm just like, no way yeah and they're going through it now or recently and i just like man because i can imagine but i know i'm not the top of the paranormal pyramid but i know things were extreme in my case and yes yeah, a husband and wife or a girlfriend and boyfriend or somebody who lived at home by themselves or and all over the world, they, every continent. I mean, they find me, they find this story. I get most of my emails after the Demons of Seattle episode has aired or re-aired or rerun. And I know it's a story when it comes in the middle of the night. An email comes in the middle of the night of somebody. Yeah. Where they've seen the story or they watch the documentary on YouTube and they're like, yeah, I'm having the same thing. Yeah. You know, and they're frantic. They're like, let their wits in and the bike can get them to a parapsychologist or somebody i i try to uh but sometimes it's just good to just have somebody know that you're not alone yeah and and stories because you're right it's just you know i'm not crazy you you know why is this happening now you know i was like what
1: it is always very validating because my daughter my oldest daughter and i anyways are always very in sync with what we're experiencing So Mm -hmm. she sees a tall guy. I'm like, I saw a tall guy too. You know, and my daughter and I even have the same dreams a lot too. We go to this place. It's definitely not on earth. You know, it's off Uh planet somewhere. And so we, and we describe it to the T. I've
2: had those dreams where I'm not in my home anymore. I'm somewhere else. I'm in another time period. Yeah. It's like, it's like I've been sat in a room watching a movie, right? I'm watching a real live movie, but it's not a movie. It's some, I'm in somebody else's home.
1: Yeah. You know?
2: And I think, and I don't have, I'm still, you know, jotting down notes. I think what I'm seeing when I'm in these dream states or whatever, I think I'm given a glimpse of where they've been previously
0: mm-hmm. or where
2: they're currently oh, okay. But some of the things I see are so vivid yeah. And like one time they showed me another house that they were haunting, just, Okay. Know, they made me be the fly on the wall, the no pun intended, but the fly on the wall of watching their, it was horrible. They're like, no, you're going to watch, just watch, they told me. They go from house to house, as easy as you and I go from room to room.
1: Yeah. I mean yeah.
2: house to house, I don't mean house next door. They go from mm-hmm. house to house
1: meeting. Yeah, true, wherever. i believe that i believe that i do i too i think that and i think my daughter has as well i think we've both kind of had dreams that are intermixed with the spirits here in this house as well okay the whole scenario of a father a mother who is mental ill and a child and the father and the child are often together it's like almost like we're putting together this and then i get scared because i have heard that you can create a poltergeist with oh, a story yeah. yeah they did that study in canada and they did that and i'm like i don't want to you know create by assumption
2: well it's, you know, energy, right? it's energy
1: there is definitely something more than everything we can physically see you know we are energy beings as well yeah. and energy doesn't die do you believe like the more people when they die can't let go the
2: the harder they have passing through yeah. this realm. Science tells us that 99.99% of reality the human eye can't see. We can't perceive. We only are mm-hmm. given a big glimpse. I mean, I'm talking about our senses, right? Our eyes. Yeah. But there's a whole bunch of I it. Mean, we don't see in the microwave brain. Right? We don't see in the episode. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't but, see right? how
1: you and I are talking right now. I mean, we no one ever that. talks about yeah. that shit.
2: Yeah, we don't see how that really looks like. So there's a whole bunch of things going on right now. My screen and the camera that's picking me up. There's a trillion things going on.
1: Well, I'm glad that that you've put your story out there. I think that it's brave of you. I think it's it says a lot of who you are. You know, to continue to to prove that you guys weren't nuts and to share it with everyone else to help other people know that they aren't either. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's. That's why I did it first. But number one, to clear our name, and number two, let people know that you can talk about this stuff. That's right. Uh, there is a niche community out there. And this information is gonna be valuable years from now. So yeah. Anybody who yeah. looks say and reviews it, wants to analyze it. And that's what and that's why I did it, you know, put so much documentation. And yeah. And
1: great. how many books? You wrote three books on it? i wrote
2: written three, but there are eight books about the Bottle House. I know. Five written by other people. You know, Steve Mara has one, a very good one, a few other researchers. We're, we're still coming through the data. There's, there's so yeah. much audio and video
1: files. So if they write a movie, if they make a movie, which you know they always do movies about all these houses, who would you want to play you? Like
2: a Denzel or something. Who are you thinking? <laughs> uh, oh man, who would I want to play me? You know what uh, Michael B. Jordan or Denzel's son. You know, Denzel's son is. Oh, oh friend. yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Or, or his
2: son. Yeah. Okay. too old, but Denzel's son would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Or Michael B. Jordan. You know. Yeah, yeah
1: I like that. I like that. You've been such a pleasure. I really
0: enjoyed you. It's been worth the wait. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down.
2: Also, my advice to anyone listening to this story is hopefully they never encounter this, but if you do or should you encounter this, number one, develop a support system. Find a good group of friends, family members, who you trust, who, who will believe you and rely on them. When you find information on the internet on what to do, weigh it heavily. A lot of misinformation, disinformation of how to deal with the paranormal. It's not as easy as they say it is on TV and it can have crazy repercussions that you're not prepared to deal with. Good example, the Bottle Hell House. And then also research, In your downtime research, reading, other cases, if you have the time with the bandwidth to do that. And if you have to get out, get out. There's nothing wrong with cutting your losses, getting out. With cutting me and Tina in the home for so long, me especially. We didn't have any kids. We didn't have any pets. I view it as, as, as me, making a stand. If I had to do it over again, I would definitely do it differently, but I would not leave. But nothing, nothing wrong with leaving. Nothing wrong, especially I me. You got other lives involved, cut your losses. And, and get out, but definitely, your friend, my friends, saved me. Even my friends and family saved me, and as well as Tina's friends. We had a good backup system. But people knew we were telling the truth, and you want that. You want that. You want those people in your corner, and you want them right away. So that's what I would tell people.
1: And where can everybody get your books and learn more and find that and find all of that evidence we were talking about earlier?
2: Yeah. So all three books are on Amazon. Uh, both in Kindle and paperback versions. You can find Keith Linder, just type in Keith Linder on Amazon. Uh, three books The Bothell Hellhouse, part one, Attachments, Portuguese of Washington State, is part two. My new book is called Portuguese The Night Side of Physics, and that's on as well. Anybody and everybody should watch the documentary Demons in Seattle Uncovered. That's that's on youtube you can google that now mm. an hour and 20 minutes in hd you'll love that anybody and get the books there are the evidence meaning there are links audio video movies previous tenant testimony and all three books it's a treasure trove of data and information so and my email's in all three books so i like to get emails from people and answer questions that i didn't get around to answering in all three books reply to every email sent my wife there
1: you go thank you so much keith it's been a pleasure
2: yeah it's good glad we caught up again awesome
1: hey did you know that sense of soul now has a patreon where you can get exclusive episodes mini series that mandy and i have been working on for a long time that we can't wait to share with you monthly readings sense of soul sacred circles workshops behind the scene clips and much more Hop on Sense of Soul Patreon right now and sign up. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.